All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are back for another episode, and uh, that almost sounded like I was starting to sing it, Carly. Uh, Carly, <laughs> Carly, someplace, uh, as we know and dearly love the the wonderful brand, uh, is back with us for a third episode. You're one of, I think, just maybe two or three people out of 360 Woo! plus episodes that we've done on the show. Uh, that has been oh, back I'm for so a third excited. time. You were with us back in episode 84 and 109. So that's some time ago. Yeah, oh, definitely over a year ago. Yeah, definitely over a year ago. <laughs> I mean, yeah, probably well over. Although we have been putting a lot of content out in the last year and a half or so. This is going to be, yes. Yes, as, as I have. record it and store it on my computer, I think episode 367. Um, so, so that it was so 200 something episodes. Exactly. Later yeah. Um, and, and to, to that point, I mean, our, our format has changed a little bit since we last had you on. So first of all, we're going to link to those episodes in the show notes for everybody listening in. Um, if you want to get to know Carly a little bit, go back and, and listen to those episodes and forgive me ahead of time for my lack of experience <laughs> at that point as an interviewer. Um, we were having so much fun. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, and I know that um, you will have something of value to add to our listeners' lives. So we'll definitely link to that those shows or those episodes, as you'd say, in the show notes, bocapodcast.com. Shout out to Haley for putting the show notes together for everyone. But I want to jump right into this because we have a lot to cover. Um, and, and the we first do. thing, this is a kind of a newer question, certainly since you've been on and even this year. Talk to me about mm-hmm. customer experience. Is there a particular principle that has made a big difference um, as a wedding and boudoir photographer in bringing a positive customer experience to your clients? Yeah. So I actually think one of my biggest, we'll call it influences into having the best experience for my clients is by just niching down. Mm. So I pretty much only shoot boudoir and couples. And couples does obviously encompass a couple things. Um, I shoot engagements. I will shoot maternity for some clients um, and I shoot weddings. And so, but by only focusing on those things, I think that I can give people a better experience specifically with boudoir. It's it's 90% of my business right now. Um, And so I don't let myself get sidetracked. I'm not trying to do 85 things well. I'm trying to do four things really well and I can give it my all. And I think that's a huge, huge thing to be able to give your clients the best experience they can is that you're focused on the one thing that they're hiring you for. Yeah. And, you know, first of all, you summed that up beautifully. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for that. (laughs) Yeah, that was very concise, but it, it reminds me of a point of conversation or points of conversation ultimately that I've been having with these, these brand position consultations I've been doing for the podcast. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm speaking to the benefits of having a clear and distinct brand position. Uh, We're going to get to yours in just a second, but (laughs) what, what that ultimately a a clear and distinct brand position. One of the things that ultimately enables is a more focused, um, certainly marketing effort because you have a very clear message. You're not juggling 50 different messages because you offer 50 different Mm -hmm. services. You've mm-hmm. got a clear and distinct message and you can build all of your advertising and marketing efforts around that message. But then two, it also enables a more efficient kind of day-to-day existence. Um, and and I, oh, know, yeah. I know that you're busy, Carly. Um, you travel quite a bit. But, <laughs> I but, do. But if you were juggling multiple services or genres under your brand's umbrella, um, imagine how much crazier it could be. I, I think that, oh, yeah. that focusing on one, maybe two things encourages focus in the way that we spend our time. And as yep. business owners who want to have a life, you and I were talking about this before we started recording, like, I, I don't want to work mm-hmm. 60, 80 hours a week. But if I'm yep. shooting five different types of photography, I'm naturally encouraging a lack of efficiency because now I have so many different balls yeah. to juggle. And, and um, so I, anyway, you said that way more concisely, but I just wanted to at least <laughs> share my thoughts 
when, as you yeah, were saying that, no, but it, let's, let's actually jump to that. It makes it easier. <laughs> well, and, and brand position. So just briefly sum up your brand's brand position, the position statement Absolutely. that represents the UVP, the unique value proposition. Yeah. So my business is Someplace Images. And Someplace Images is built around redefining and revealing love and self-love through passion, laughter, and intimate photography with the goal of creating touchable, visible monuments to life-changing moments. So I heavily... a lot. It's a big mouthful. <laughs> okay. Is, um, is this on your site? Cause I'm on your, on your website, by the way, everybody listening in at someplaceimages.com. <laughs> Whereabouts is it on your site? It is not actually on my site. It's a combination of, um, it's something that I'm bringing back into my site okay. because essentially I have two unique brands on my website. Um, but that's combining them together. So those are the morals and values that I want between both my boudoir and my weddings. Um, so that's like my overall brand position. But then when you look into my sub brand positions on that website, so if you were to click on boudoir, yeah. Yeah. or you were to click on on weddings, it's going to be those similar similar words. That's my overall brand position. Okay. Um, and then my my sub brands have their own um, sum up, which is kind of in between, uh, not, not in between, but combines both of those <laughs> or combines into all of that. Okay. Yeah. And I was actually, as you were talking, I, I clicked on the boudoir section just to go take a look at the copy there and a video started playing. Uh, ed- Haley will probably edit yes. that out of the audio. So sorry about that in, in case that's still <laughs> that's- in there. Um, uh, my website is constantly on mute when I go to it because I can't stand <laughs> listening to myself over and over and over again. And my phenomenal web designer, I, bless her, she knows every single word of that video. <laughs> oh, I bet. Yeah. Well, so, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's something certainly valuable in, in kind of sharing yourself on a more personal level through video. But um, I, I, yes. I just wanted to go see the, the copy there. So we just one more time, we kind of run that that sentence or paragraph back by me as far as the the brand position statements concerned because I want to break this down a little bit for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So Someplace Images is built around redefining and revealing love and self-love through passion, laughter, and intimate photography with the goal of creating touchable, visible monuments to those life-changing moments. Interesting. Okay. So the, the monuments being, I'm assuming the photographs in the end, is that right? Yep. And, and tactile, um, obviously. So if, you, if you've listened to my past episodes, I talk about IPS. I heavily believe in printed photographs. Um, and it is, I don't, I don't do digitals only. I don't do any of that stuff. So I want people to have something that they can touch and feel to remember how they felt on, on that day, whether yeah. that day is their wedding day or that day is the day that they got the courage to do a boudoir session. Um, and so those are, I want them to be able to open a book um, or an album and see, have those that just like rush back of how they felt in that moment. Um, and so those are, I craft, I, I use my craft to create physical products and that's really, really important to me. But monuments to those special occasions. Mm-hmm. That's, I, that's an interesting mm-hmm. way of phrase, phrasing that. It's beautiful though. Um, and yeah, it, to your point, episode 109, for anybody wanting kind of an introduction, a crash course in IPS, make sure you do go listen to that episode because um, it's pretty incredible actually what Carly is generating revenue wise as a result of IPS. Yes. I, I still look back at my photography career, shooting for about a decade, shooting weddings for about a decade. And um, I, I cringe a little bit thinking about how much <laughs> I missed out on as a result of not oh, yeah. doing IPS revenue wise, how yeah. much I missed out on. And um, mm-hmm. so anyway, make sure you go check that out. Everybody listening in 109, uh, episode 109, yes. we'll link to that in the show notes. But um, I, I appreciate you sharing that brand position statement with us. Let's talk about time. 
And, um, you know, I mean, (laughs) as, as business owners, obviously things can get a little bit busy. We were talking about this a second ago, but, Mm -hmm. and especially in in your world, you're traveling so much. You were talking about your upcoming travel schedule before we started recording. How do you create space for yourself within that travel or while you're home so that you don't get overwhelmed, you don't get burnt out? Is there a particular tip or technique when it comes to managing time that you found valuable? Yeah. So I've, I have essentially a two-part answer for this. Um, so I had like a big, I don't want to call it a breakdown, uh, about six months ago <laughs> that I um, wasn't really spending any time on myself. Okay. And I, so one of my favorite things ever to do is read. And I, when I looked back through mostly 2018 that I was looking at, or even the first part of 2019, I had only read like four books. Um, and so uh, just for an average, I probably read close to 70 or 80 books a year. Whoa. So for me to... Is that fiction or nonfiction or both? Both. Um, mostly fiction. I read a lot of fiction. Okay. But uh, fiction for like my brain to just explore, that's like my happy place. Yeah. Nonfiction. Uh, I, fight, I, I don't want to say I struggle through business books, um, but it's I, you're not supposed to be able to absorb business books as fast as I can absorb fiction. Um, and so there's, there's lessons in those where, I mean, obviously there's lessons in fiction too, but, uh, it's not practical things of like, this is how you need to set your bank accounts up, which is boring. But so I, I just had like a freak out moment and I sat down and I I told my mom, I was like, I just need new books. Um, so we went book shopping and I bought, uh, like 35 new books Whoa! and I've gotten through probably 15 of those. And then I've read another, like, uh, I read an entire series. I think I'm on book 15 and book 16 comes out, um, in a couple months. And so, so I've just, you know, kind of poured through those and I've been really making time for myself in the evening before I go to bed yeah. to read, even if it's five pages, but it's, it's usually like 70 or a hundred. Um, and so making that time for myself just to, to oh, let my brain down. Yeah. And yeah. wander and explore because I yeah. think my favorite thing about fantasy and fiction is that I'm in a different place. Um, and I get mm. to, you know, see all of these things just with my imagination, um, and pull in, you know, my own artistic abilities of what my brain's capable of creating there. Um, and so that's, uh, that's been hugely instrumental. Um, and then about three weeks ago, I listened to the five second rule by Mel Robbins. Okay. Um, and I started forcing myself out of bed <laughs> prior to 6am every morning, <laughs> um, to get up and just write. So I don't touch my phone for the first hour that I've been up. This has just been for the last few weeks. And I, I mean, there are some exceptions to that, but like I get up and I make a cup of coffee and I journal and that journal entry could be a to-do list depending on what's weighing heavy on my brain or it could be this morning I spent time writing a keynote speech that I'm working on it could be thoughts for you know just all these different things that I that I have going on it could be you know love letters to my friends or love letters to myself or anything like that and so that's been honestly I don't want to say life-changing but pretty life-changing and I've gotten I feel much more accomplished I feel like my thoughts are more in order Um, it's taking time for myself and while it can in a lot of ways be business related, it feels like I'm more on track. And then with me reading at night, it lets me just calm down. um, And like I said, escape to, you know, another world of some variety. And so, so that's been really, both of those things have been really good for me. So just taking some extra time for myself in the mornings and the evenings, because my schedule is kind of all over the place with my travel schedule. And so, but that's something that I can do absolutely anywhere. And that doesn't have to be, you know, while I'm at home or while I'm, you know, doing anything. So I think that that's been 
really great for me. Well, I found a similar benefit that you're describing in, in the process of writing. I, I personally tend to, oh, I, I can write much quicker, or I should say type much quicker than I can handwrite mm-hmm. uh, as yep. much as I have an interest in that tangible process of writing in a journal, even just typing. But I have a, a, have a section in Evernote for journaling. Yep. And whether I go there you know, once a week or once a month or, or once mm-hmm. a year, whatever it might be, just occasionally checking in. Um, yep. Taking that time is definitely therapeutic and it's nice to just kind of unload a little bit. And um, yeah. so I, I would highly encourage everyone to kind of experiment with that if they haven't before. And you said that the book is called The Five Second Rule? The Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins. Okay. Um, and then the other thing and that, that plays into kind of what you're saying with, you know, typing, um, I've been using just my Google Docs and like voice transcribing. So if I have ah. all these thoughts and I'm, I'm upset or anything, I'll literally open Google Docs and hit that little microphone button and just talk to myself um, and organize them. And it's, it's pretty good. Um, it's, it's got some of the best voice transcribing that I've worked with so really? far. Um, and yeah, it's been... Are you on an iPhone? Uh, yeah, I am on an iPhone. So are you doing that through your iPhone or are you doing it through your computer? Through my iPhone. Yep. Interesting. Nope, through okay. my iPhone. Um, and it's been super instrumental because even if I have something, you know, if I'm driving, I can do it. If I'm yeah. if I'm trying to get all my thoughts out, I'm trying to do anything. Um, and so if you don't love to journal, but you want to just speak out loud, spoken word type thing, that is something I'd highly recommend. And I mean, it's free within any Google account. So it's, cool. and it's all stored on the cloud and you can access it at any time. So that's been instrumental too. I use it more for the business side, but, um, but it's a good way to keep track of your thoughts in that format as well. That's a really good tip. And then we'll also include the five second rule in our show notes. And, and by the way, for Absolutely. everybody listening in, if you haven't seen it yet, if you go to bocabookclub.com, we've actually included some of the more popular books that our guests have recommended on the show. Um, so you can go check that out too. Haley puts together, has put together a really great collection over there, but, um, we'll certainly, I feel like I'm going to need to check that out. (laughs) You might might have to, although I will say that, um, probably 90% (laughs) of them are either self-help or business books. Yes. Um, That's fair. That's fair. There's a, there's a place in time that I read those as well, but that's not my like wind down in the evening book. (laughs) No, I totally get it. Talk to me about, I mean, speaking of time management, outsourcing Mm -hmm. or delegating any part of your business, are you doing any of this? And, And if so, like, what's the significance of it to your business? Yeah. So, um, I've tried a lot of things with outsourcing. So I have an assistant that manages my social media. Okay. So right now she is doing Pinterest and Instagram for me, my business Instagram, um, just scheduling, uploading all of that stuff. Um, she pulls a lot of my written content that I write anyways. Um, but she's just recreating it for that platform. Um, because we'll talk about this later, but Facebook is my majority platform, but I do still think that Instagram, you know, you have to have stuff up there. <laughs> you have to show, you have to show the world that you're an alive and functioning photographer. Yeah. So that's kind of what I just use Instagram for. I don't get much business from it, but it's fine. It's, it is, you know, my online portfolio, it shows off my work. And so she manages that for me because it was a big stress for me trying to get all of that up there. Um, she manages my Pinterest, which makes that super easy. Um, and she's really amazing at that. And then I actually am bringing on a ghostwriter. <laughs> so excited for my blog. <laughs> wow. Um, I hate blogging. I hate blogging so much. It's not even funny. I just have zero desire to do it. Um, and I think that that's because I want to write like I speak. Um, I'm a very big conversationalist. I talk a lot. And so when I do things like 
blog, I just get too caught up. And then I find that my blogs are 3000 words long. And I'm like, Oh my God, Carly, nobody wants to read this. So I've actually, I found a ghostwriter to write my blog. Um, she's working on, I've sent her a bunch of topics. She's working on different things like that. And then that's just going to help me because it is something that I know I should be doing for my business. I feel guilty not doing it for my business. Um, but it's, it's just something that doesn't bring me any joy. And she's obsessed with it. She's so excited. She's (laughs) just beyond stoked. And she's like, these topics are amazing. I'm like, great, go for it. So, so yeah, so I have essentially two assistants, a ghostwriter um, and then a social media assistant. So that's, that's mainly where I outsource my stuff. So where would you say that, uh, I guess, roughly how many hours do you think that you save in a week with those two people in your life? Oh my gosh. Uh, (laughs) Well, um, every time I try to do Instagram posts, I get sucked into tailwind for like an hour and I usually create like two posts. So I would say, Sarah posts four to five times a week for me. So I would say she's saving me two to three hours a week. And Dakota, I would say with the blogging again, because I get so too deep into it. Um, Dakota is probably saving me a little bit more time, but like three to four hours a week, um, especially with the just like, you know, laying out a blog and doing things like that, which again, zero desire to do those things. So I'm glad to have somebody who is so thrilled on it. So Oh, that's wonderful. And and a great example for everybody too. I mean, you know, as much as obviously I'm involved with Photographer's Edit and we talk about the significance of delegating editing work, Mm -hmm. I I love that we have examples here of other ways that you can delegate. Uh, And I I tend to like to use the word delegate even more than outsource. Outsource seems to have had some negative connotation over the years and and um, it seems in many cases to be tied specifically to editing. When you talk to a photographer about the idea, delegation Mm -hmm. as as a business owner, as a CEO, it's it's a really important part of growing our business and and it's a bit of a learning curve you have to learn how to communicate what it is that you want in fact you yep. first of all have to be clear about what it is that you want then you have to figure out how to communicate it effectively in a way that resonates with um with the other person but it, the, the freedom that it can bring um is quite significant the ability to or that the way that it enables you to focus on those areas that you enjoy most that you're strongest at right so so important it is so important. It's just let me take a step back from from things that I know are important but aren't aren't my best forte. I mean, if I applied so much more time to them, I'm sure I could be better at them and yeah. maybe like them, but like I don't but I that's don't not love the point, them. I right? love I love exactly. Yeah. I love doing what I love and I want to do what I love, so I'm going to hire somebody else to do the things I don't love. <laughs> sure. Well, that's a great reminder for us. Talk to me about inspiration, though. And, and I wonder if this might be a rhetorical question. I, I, I have a guess as to where <laughs> the conversation might go. But where do you find inspiration outside of photography or the photography industry? Uh, books. <laughs> <laughs> books are definitely like, my, I, I, like I said, I read 70 plus books a year. Um, wow. So I, like I said, fiction is everything. I'm a huge book nerd. I have multiple literary tattoos. I'm just like, like, that's okay. Um, but something else that I really love, and I think kind of plays a little bit into photography, or at least like, some aspects of just weddings and boudoir. I really love interior design. Really? (laughs) Like I really, yeah, I really love interior design. Um, My parents just bought a new place. um, So I quote unquote live with my parents uh, because I travel about 10 months of the year. So there's not really a place, there's not really a point in me having my own place. Um, It would just be a very bad financial investment. So my parents just bought a new place and we have a 4,000 square foot ranch house on 40 acres. Whoa. Which, uh, and by 4,000, I really mean it's a weird, funky, house but the 
I have gotten so much joy of just spending hours with my mom picking paint colors and getting to inspire, be inspired by different things and just interior designs. Like, I mean, spending hours on Pinterest painting home things is something that can bring me a lot of inspiration. Um, and even just the way that lighting is in pictures and different things like that gives me inspiration on how to use lighting on my clients or how to use lighting in general um, and what's going to change the mood of a room by using, you know, different things like that. So I actually originally went to college to study interior design and I ended up as a photographer. So no uh, yeah, I, I went to SCAD um, and I was going with the intention of being an interior designer um, and minoring in photography. And I ended up majoring in photography and minoring in printing and fashion. So <laughs> that didn't quite work out the way I wanted it to. You, you broke up there for just a second. You said what in fashion? Oh. Um, I minored in printmaking and fashion. Oh, printmaking. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I want to go back really quickly, though, to the to the books, though. How do you, on a yeah. practical level, how do you take the inspiration from those books and apply it to your business? Or how does it get applied to your business? Oh, I don't... Uh, that's a hard question. <laughs> I think that I just find... I find books because obviously they are just words. Yeah. Um, I find that in in the descriptions of characters, that's probably one of my biggest influences. Mm. Um, and I think that it it helps me, especially with boudoir, broach the subject of how to describe people without using physical descriptors and the type of words that are used in a positive sense, in a negative sense, in a complementary sense, and a lot of those things. And, and just the colorful language that can be all over um, and how I can can use that to create, create, I don't want to say personas, um, but create for my clients. I I get a huge pull on words. Um, There are some words like, I love the word whimsy so much (laughs) Um, and just different things like that. And so, so books and their descriptions of characters have helped me um, and influenced me in the ways that I can can describe clients and how I can tell them that I want to make them feel or explain what I'm going to do um, and and different things like that, if, if that makes sense, because I, I rely so heavily on language to to create in my mind. Yeah. So that's that's kind of, I mean, that's a big influence on, on why I love books because character descriptions are obviously huge. Um. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, ultimately so. expansion of vocabulary. It, it's yeah. not only could it be beneficial in communicating with clients or potential clients, but even the way that we we look at and think about the world, it seems like mm-hmm. if you have an expanded vocabulary, your ability to do so in a more colorful manner um, yes. might be encouraged yes. by by reading a bit more. Yes. And and I, I mean, books have always been... I, my parents used to be like, you just live in this fantasy world. And I mean, I've somehow translated it to my job because I literally get to like play dress up with people and take pictures of them. And it's the best thing ever. Um, so, you know, just building these scenarios and, and in, in my spare time and some of my personal projects, I build these big, beautiful, whimsical dresses and gowns. Like I said, I was a fashion minor um, and build these things. And, And I was doing that in high school and I was doing that in middle school. Um, and obviously in college and, and those are, those are things that books give me ideas for um, to to just create, and then I can take it from words in my head and, and put a visual image to it, which is where obviously photography comes in with that. So, wow. Well, um, I mean, this, <laughs> the the encouragement there to read more, I think, is in, in all seriousness, is a um, it's a good reminder for me, nonetheless. I mean, I, I yeah. do find some benefit. You talk about winding down in the evening with some fiction. Um, that's mm-hmm. definitely been a, a way of relaxing for me. I use a I have a Kindle Paperwhite. And, yep. and it yep. has 
Of course, the built-in light, the light's actually designed in such a way that it mirrors um, the, the way that we see light bouncing off the face of a book. Yeah, and I love that. And instead of yeah. having to look at this you know, blue light that can affect our sleep, um, I can turn mm-hmm. that down and, and it actually I find myself relaxing as I'm reading it. I'm, I'm able to kind of escape a little bit into the story and, and then sleep. And it's wonderful. But I think too, I mean, I, I could stand to continue to improve my vocabulary, my writing skills. And I think um, reading, of course, is one of those ways that you can do that. So it's a, it's a good reminder for all thing. of us. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite thing. <laughs> let's, let's jump into kind of our main topic at hand, though, destination photography, and more specifically, how to market for the sake of even being able to be a destination photographer. I mean, this is kind mm-hmm. of a, a dream for many people, I think. Um, yeah. And, and yet the question would be, where do I start? How do I even get to that place? Have, have you learned, I guess, this approach to marketing? Have you learned this from other people? Is this something you've kind of come up with on your own? Did you just know how to do it from the start? What did the, the, the beginning of this process look like? Kind of a combination of a lot of things. So I've always known that I wanted to travel. It is, it, I, I grew up in a small town um, and I wanted to see the world more than anything. Uh, my first like international trip, I went to India when I was 19. Yeah. From that moment, I was like so absolutely hooked on travel. And I was like, how can I make this work in the world that I want? And I wanted to be a travel photographer for a while. And I realized I just really don't like landscapes. So like, that's not going to work out for me. Sure. <laughs> so when I really started looking into it. And I, I stepped into some place images being my business um, about four years ago. There's there's not very many businesses that are destination-based or travel all the time. There's a few photographers who do frequently shoot destination weddings. And I started to pick their brains a lot. But what they're doing, um, because like I said, so now at this point, 90% of my business is boudoir. Um, and they're not really doing anything similar to what I'm doing. So I kind of started to try and figure it out on my own. So I definitely listened to a lot of advice and and took advice and and how to kind of broach how I'm going to get clients in different places. Um, and I listened to advice from that. Um, and then I just kind of was like, okay, but how am I going to make this me? And how I'm going to make this, how am I going to make this fit my business? Um, so it's definitely, it's not a quick game at all to get into destinations, yeah. but it is, it's possible. It's definitely possible. So that's, that's a lot of it was a it was a combination of the two of of different influences and picking people's brains and then trying to figure out exactly how to make it work for my own business and the business plan that I wanted. Which which is so important. I mean, it, it might seem obvious to some, but iterating, um, learning as you go, making adjustments, uh, you know, capitalizing on the things that work, pushing aside the things that don't, um, mm-hmm. and and continuing to iterate. It, it's really really important for us as as business owners if we want to last. And and so I'm, I'm glad that you bring that up. But you mentioned to me prior to us recording this uh, that you had mm-hmm. five different kind of main ideas that drive your marketing efforts. And um, so I, I, I want to just kind of run down these and let you sum up how each of them yeah. work for you. <laughs> first, you mentioned first um, the idea of shoots on location. What does this mean? Can you explain this for our listeners? Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things that I see is I, when browsing Instagram or browsing through anybody else, I will see people be like, I'm available worldwide. And a lot of people say that, but they never show anything except for where they are. So I think that having shoots on location when you travel anywhere, literally anywhere, anywhere you go, you're going to the next town over. Great. Take some pictures. It's like, take some pictures of your partner or your kids or whatever, whatever you're going to do. And so I started setting up shoots on every single trip, every, like I would go to 
anywhere and do shoots. Um, and a lot of it started with reaching out to people doing shoots for free. Um, but being able to show those different places really is a huge influence because when I say I travel worldwide, people believe me because they'll look at, I mean, back to my Instagram feed, it's not necessarily something that I manage, but Sarah tags all the places that I'm in. So like one of my pictures this week is from Thailand and the other one is from like, you know, there's all of these different things in these places that I've been. And I shoot in every single place that I go, no matter how mundane, quote unquote, that may seem. Um, it's, it's showing that you are in different places and available in different places and setting those up. And I know you and I've talked about this a couple obviously on other podcasts. And I know you've had um, my very good friend, Kurt Tubin on the podcast. And we talked about this. She and I did this massive road trip for almost three weeks and we lived in my car. Um, and we shot, I think five different sessions in all these different amazing places. And those were just, we shot them for fun. Why not? Um, but those are the type of things that then have brought me business because people are like, oh my gosh, you've so- shot in Zion. I would love to get married there. Or I would really love to do a boudoir session in this location. And I see you've been there before. Because once they see that destination like tagged, they think it's more approachable that you would go back again or you would be there. So that's a huge part of it. Well, and and you mentioned tagging. We'll get to geotagging in a second, but do you, is it a very complicated process? I mean, have you come up with a good workflow when it comes to finding somebody to shoot in these locations? Reaching out on Instagram, throwing out a model call. Um, We'll get to my Facebook group for sure in a little bit, but my Facebook group is a massive network that obviously it's taken time to build. But like literally, if you if you start looking under a specific hashtag, so let's say I'm looking for in Nashville, Tennessee, I want somebody to shoot. um, Go find bloggers, influencers, and maybe some of the smaller bloggers, some of these smaller influencers who who don't have you know ninety thousand followers and probably have a photographer following them around anyways reach out to them and say, Hey, I'm a photographer and I really want to shoot in your city. Can you show me a cool places and I'll give you some photos in exchange? It's that simple. They're going to say yes to you. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's human connection. And then, I mean, hopefully at the end of that, then you've made a new friend. That's also somebody tagging your work in that city. And that's also somebody else using those images to show you off. Um, and that's, a huge working thing. But yeah, I mean, going through Instagram, doing a model call on Facebook. I mean, I have friends from all over on Facebook. So even just on my personal Facebook, I'll be like, Hey, I'm going to be in Nashville. Does anybody know anybody who might want photos? I'm looking to do a couple session or I'm looking to do this and use the internet, (laughs) like use the internet in the way that it was intended to connect people. And it's super powerful. Well, and I can imagine like we could literally stop here and if our, if, if our, <laughs> we, could, we could talk about, I could talk about that for days. <laughs> well, but yeah, but even if our listeners just went and did this very thing as they travel yeah. and, and obviously not everybody travels as much as you do, you may have to make that's, a little bit of an effort, but <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but if they just did this very thing, I mean, think of what it would do for their portfolio. And then that yeah. naturally leads us to the second point, which has to do with geotagging. Um, mm-hmm. Can you expound on this idea just a little bit? Yeah. So I think that geotagging is important in a lot of ways. And also um, there's a lot. So I live in Lake Tahoe, live quote unquote, I'm only here like two months of the year, Um, but I grew up in Lake Tahoe. So when I, when I geotag, I geotag really broad places because, or like if I'm targeting a new place or I'm targeting a specific venue or I'm shooting in a specific venue, I obviously tag that. I want a physical location, a venue or a, or a restaurant or whatever to, to see that I've tagged them specifically. But when it comes to a lot of like my, like outdoor stuff and stuff in nature, I don't necessarily geotag uh, specifics because there's a lot of things that are getting ruined. So geotagging really has its 
pros and cons. Um, so I, I would say that the pros of that, like, again, so you can tag Nashville as a city and people will pull up the Nashville tag. You don't have to tag a specific like alleyway for people to understand that that's where you are. And that's what, I mean, Instagrammers, influencers, different things like that. There is a negative impact. Um, there's an entire article I just read about the lavender fields in Southern France getting trashed because people wow. just want to come take photos and, and, and there's a lot of things like that, but you don't necessarily have to put your exact location. Right. So I'm pro geotagging in a broad sense okay. and I'm anti geotagging in a specific sense, um, unless it is wi- uh, like a specific venue or something like that. So, and, and for our listeners who don't have context, the, the reason you're geotagging is for what I would assume would be the obvious reason you want people in that area to see your work, to hopefully reach yes. out to you, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, I, I, this is, I mean, you, you communicate so well. We're going to keep the conversation moving. This is such a wonderful, <laughs> like high energy conversation. Um, so let's, <laughs> let's keep going though. The, the next point that you shared with me was the idea of planning travel in advance, which of course would naturally set you up well for many things, including promoting where you'll be available for shoots. This will help you set up those shoots. Um, right. what, what does this look like on a very practical level for you? Ooh, okay, so I was not this organized in 2019. I'm going <laughs> to preface it with that okay. right now. So anybody who's listening, like, don't think that, like, I just, like, magically appeared with this calendar. No. Oh, my gosh. Um, so I, um, when I looked at last year and what I did with my travels, I took bookings in a lot of different places. I think I visited 16 or 17 cities last year and three or four countries. Wow. And so, so it, it was chaos. And because I did not, I had, you know, big plans. Like I went to Bali in September with my girlfriends. I knew that was coming. I knew I was going to have that. And so I had these big plans of like, cool, I can plan things around this trip, but I would have somebody book and be like, Hey, can you come to Seattle? And I'd be like, yeah, sure. I'll fit you in, in the next three months. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Oh my gosh, I have to fit this person in. And then when I gonna, when am I going to be able to go to Seattle? And should I fly up there? Should I drive? Should I do this? And I, the stress that that put on me, was not great. Um, I definitely like cried a lot over like, Oh my God, I have to be in all of these places or I need to push people back. And I hate doing that. And, and so what I, I did to set myself up for this year is I sat down again, talking about my Facebook group. So in my Facebook group, I put a poll up to my essentially potential clients and said, where do you want to see me? What cities are you willing to travel to? If I'm going to go there to book a session with me, um, you know, major cities. And so, and I, I essentially said, I need more than three people in each city for me to take a booking there for me to spend more than a few days there. But I'd really like to see what cities you want me in. And so I took that um, and I took my top like 20 cities that they gave me and I created a full travel calendar prior to, again, building around some big trips that I knew I had this year. I'm going to France in June. I will be in Iceland and Norway in November. Um, So I built around those big trips and filled everything else in, in seasons that I want to visit places. So for example, I'm not going to Texas in July and I am going to New York in July. (laughs) I do not want to go to New York in February. Um, so I, I kind of created it around, I love the sunshine and I love warm weather. Yeah. So created my schedule around as like traveling with the best seasons for places. And so I, I did that. And then, um, I did my black Friday sale and my black Friday sale, essentially people booked a city or they didn't. And the cities that didn't get booked, I took them off my calendar and now I can fill them in with something else. So if something does come up or somebody says, Hey, like I have four girlfriends and we want to get together and book sessions in this city, I can be like, great. These are the dates that I have available, um, to fit that travel in. But so it it took a lot of planning, a lot (laughs) of planning. And so, so that, 
that gives me a little bit more of a schedule. And then, like you said, so being able to, to work into those cities, I can promote myself now because I know where I'm going. I know exactly what my schedule looks like. I could probably spit out the rest of my year for you right now. Um, but it makes me feel like I have more control. It makes it so that my clients can see where I am. It makes everything's just more organized. And I think that that's been a huge, huge thing. Um, so, so if you're going somewhere and you know, you're going somewhere, start, reaching out to people months in advance. <laughs> yeah, well, but, but what I find interesting about this approach that you've taken is at least some of the travel is established before you have a shoot. You know where you're going and then you schedule th- yes. the shoot. And I think a lot of people just yes. would kind of assume that they have to do it the other way around. They're waiting to book yes. something until they go there. Yes. This is much more proactive in nature. Yeah. And a lot of that was though, I mean, like that poll that I put up for my my clients was like, okay, where do you want to see me? My top requested city was Chicago. I've never been to Chicago. So I was like, okay, here we go. So, so I go to Chicago in May and I'm very excited. And so, so I, you know, did things like that. And so while nobody had necessarily booked yet, I was like, okay, these are the cities you want. These are the cities that I'm going to go to. And, and it just, it, it made a lot more sense for me to do it that way yeah. than try and just squeeze anything in. Um, it can be, I'll, I'll, I'll throw this out there, a little bit of a double-edged sword. I had a friend get engaged and she was like, so if we get married in 2020, I was like, I can't come. I'm sorry. Like, it, the, like Oh, cause you already have already, your year planned out. Yeah. My whole year is already booked out. I've already got sessions in all the cities that I'm going to. I've got contracts signed. I've got all of that other stuff. So there's, I mean, there are some drawbacks and it's, you know, cause life does happen, yeah. but I, and I've got, you know, all of it going on, but it, it it can have some very small drawbacks like that. Um, thankfully, my friends very much so understand my travel schedule. So so there's that. But but yeah, it made me feel much more organized. Um, it gives me a lot of chance to to market myself and to, to put things in motion for those cities months before I ever get there. So that's been massive in my life this year so far. Well, and then you've alluded to the Facebook group um, multiple times <laughs> now. So this is kind of the fourth talking point. But what yes. is the significance of the Facebook group and how did you go about creating it? Okay. So my Facebook group is the main source of my business. I would say that I get 95 or above percent of my clients, my boudoir clients from my Facebook group. Um, so I created a Facebook group about three years ago and it was when I essentially first started shooting boudoir and there were quite a few women in my group who wanted to be able to share their images, um, with others, but didn't want their family or their whole entire Facebook community to see it if they were going to post it on their newsfeed. So I essentially created this group as like a safe space for people to share. Um, and then it kind of exploded. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> I went from 430 members in a day to 3,500 members in a day. Whoa. So I had run a contest. I did not think it would be as popular as it was. I was absolutely shocked. My So I ran a contest and I was like, hey, I'll give away a free session um, to you know the person who adds in like the most women that they think would appreciate this group. And I had some people adding in 450 people at a time. Facebook has changed. They don't let you do that anymore. But so this group kind of exploded and it's just become this very big, positive community of women. It is women only um, because it is a safe place for boudoir images. And so I now have 5,000, over 5,000 members in it. I probably spend close to 40 hours a week in my Facebook group. (laughs) It's definitely a full-time job. Um, But that is, that is, I don't want to say it's constant marketing, but it's constant marketing. Everything I post, everything I post, um, people either want to hear and I, I, I believe you and I've discussed this before, how important it is to be seen as like 
the face of your business yeah. and be in front of whatever. And so people yep. want to know me. And so, you know, I, I rotate between just sharing, you know, other women who've had sessions and all of this other stuff. Um, and then sharing posts about me or talking about my travels or even struggles that I have with my own body, all of this other stuff. I've, I've essentially <laughs> like this, this group is like a giant diary for all of these women. Um, and it is, it's a thriving community. It's so positive. It's so amazing. And I think that Facebook groups are really something that is key to destinations, whether it be with brides or whether it be with boudoir or maternity clients or whatever you want it to be there. It's a specific way to market to people who are all over the place. Um, and they can add their friends in and their friends don't always live in the same city as them. Their friends don't always live in the same state as them or the same country. Um, and so it's been, you know, I have, I have women in there who are like, Oh my gosh, when are you coming to insert city here? Um, and I'll be like, great. These are the dates that I have for it and stuff like that. And then they'll, they'll be like, Oh my gosh, let me add in all of my friends. And then they'll pull in more of their friends that live in that city or anything like that. And so it's been insane in a lot of ways. Wow. Um, How would is- you like just on a, I mean, five, a, a- 5,000 member group probably yeah. sounds like just an overwhelming concept to somebody, but if they wanted to do this on a smaller scale, mm-hmm. what's the, what's the first step for one of our listeners to create one of these? The first step is to add in your clients who are just passionate about your brand and passionate about your work. Step and, one. <laughs> and, and so if I'm, I'm going to play the cynic here for a second, but like yep. people are busy with 68,000 other things. How do you yep. add enough value to a group like this for people to want to not only be part of the group, number one, but actually to be engaged enough then for it to benefit your business? So I think that, well, okay. So we'll talk about it in the sense of boudoir because obviously that's what my expertise is in. Sure. So in that sense, so I created this this community as a safe space. There's there's a lot of talk about women's bodies. There's a lot of talk about all of these things going on in the world right now. And so, and self-love and body positivity, and those are all hot topics. So when people come into my group, those are things that we're talking about every single day. Um, but I'm not the only one creating conversation in this group. There are so many people who are talking about their bodies, their struggles, things that they're doing. And so in that capacity, you you're opening up just a space. And no matter what your space is going to be, it needs to be a safe space for your clients. So if you have wedding clients and you want to have a group of all your current and your past brides, or if you want to have anything like that, it's a safe space where they can rant about their mother-in-law. They can, you know, do these things or ask for advice or, or anything like this. And, and when you're creating a community of something that somebody has commonality, you don't, you, I mean, yes, you have to have the initiative to be the conversation starter um, and to start those conversations, but you also need to just give people a space where that they can ask questions and then they can have those conversations themselves because a lot of people are afraid to ask questions. This is something that I've found absolutely in business, even just in life. Um, a lot of people are afraid to ask questions for scorn or feedback or anything like this. And when you make this a safe space, anything a safe space for those those questions to be asked, people are more encouraged to do so. So community creates itself if you give them a common thread. Um, and so whatever your common thread is going to be, that's that's what you're providing value with. Huh. That's interesting. So <laughs> you, you kind of create the conversation and yes. let them take it from there. Um, exactly. If, if we were to kind of sum it up briefly, that's that's fascinating. Yeah. Um, wow. I, and I think we could like just kind of park there for a while but I, I know that you've got one more point here to share, and that is Facebook ads. Now, it seems like, I mean, you talk about the, the significance of organic growth of your business through your Facebook mm-hmm. group. There's part mm-hmm. of me that might just naturally ask, well, why Facebook ads on top of that? Have you figured out a way for these to co- coexist? Do they benefit each other? What, what does it look like? They do. So, and so, uh, 
I am in a Facebook ads course with Kendra, who you had on a few episodes ago. Yeah. She's a genius and I love her. <laughs> um, so um, I have, I'm improving on my Facebook ads. So I will say that it is a constant process. Facebook ads change constantly. Right. Um, I've definitely had fa- Facebook ads that are highly successful and I've had Facebook ads that are not successful at all. So, but how I meld these together is essentially my Facebook ads are so the biggest thing, again, specifically with boudoir, but I think also in wedding photography or in anything, um, though boudoir is a little bit heavier, uh, is the like, no trust factor. So people are not going to book a session with me to essentially literally take their clothes off in front of me if they don't like me, if they don't know who I am, if they don't know that they can trust me. Um, and that's a huge thing. So running a Facebook ad to be like, Hey, I'm shooting boudoir sessions in Dallas, sign up. That's not going to work for me. So my ads are targeted to get people into my group. Um, because then they're being welcomed into the fold of this community where people are positive and encouraging and they're seeing all different types of bodies where I'm sharing my work on a daily basis, where others are sharing their experiences with their bodies and having these conversations. And those are, so I'm, I'm targeting, I'm not targeting being like, Hey, book with me. I'm targeting saying, welcome to my community. I want to bring you in. And how can we do that? And so for targeting my different cities, again, I know my travel calendar and schedule for the year. So I can sit right now and start a targeted Facebook ad towards Chicago just to get people into my group because I have four sessions left in Chicago right now. And that's in two months. So if I'm targeting those ads and getting people just to come into that community, then they're going to see, oh my gosh, she's going to be in Chicago. Um, And that makes them at the very least reach out. They might not book a session right then because it's, it takes what, seven touch points for somebody to actually get in touch with you and actually want to book. So they Um, say, right? (laughs) Yes. So they say, so they say, so, I mean, I've definitely, I've used that. I've, I've used Facebook ads in, in quite a few ways, but the end goal of, I'd say 90% of my Facebook ads is just to bring people into my community where they can figure out that they like me, understand that they can like, they can get to know me and understand that they can trust me and that I have an entire repertoire and 5,000 women backing me up for that statement. <laughs> What's the value proposition so, in, in one of those Facebook ads? If you don't mind sharing an example of like the copy that you might use, like what is the thing that's going to draw them in? What do you say? Ooh, so I'm working on this actually launches this week. So I'm super excited about it. So oh, I'm cool. running a self-love challenge right okay. now. So this is a big thing for my Facebook group. So I'm running, um, I start a self-love challenge next week. So my copy in my ads is essentially being like, would you like to feel like more, would you like to love yourself more is essentially wow. a huge part because yeah. not, which is a big statement. That's a very big statement. Um, but it's probably going to resonate with a lot of people, though, too. I mean, that, oh, that's absolutely. the thing about considering the copy that we use in our Facebook ads. We have to think about yes. our target client, how they feel, what ultimately is going to resonate with them. We can't just base our copy on what we think or feel. Right, exactly. And so so I don't want to say it's pain points, um, but but the biggest motivator for somebody to click on something is if they feel that you are describing them, um, and, and using those, I mean, we'll call them pain points because that's what they are is, you know, do you love yourself enough? Do you, do you know how to stand up for yourself? Um, you know, these are, these are the type of words that I'm using because those are all a very big part of self-love. Um, and so what it's calling people to do is to join my self-love challenge, um, which ultimately puts them in my group. So those are the type of copy things that I'm using to, to do that on a lighter note, I've definitely used Facebook ads of like, uh, I lived in Maui for six weeks this past year. 
And so I had a, an ad running in Maui of like, you're in your top tropical daydream. Do you want to do something outside of your comfort zone or something you've always thought about and essentially look like a mermaid on the beach and wow. do different things like this. And, yeah. and so playing in, I mean, that's a very specific one, very sure. specific to Maui playing into that copy. But I, I mean, I booked multiple shoots from it. Um, and so cool. those are the type of things that you're, you're playing into what people want and or what they think of themselves specifically when it comes to self-love, et cetera, boudoir. So it is the pain points that are the easiest yeah. thing to work with on Facebook ads. Absolutely. And by the way, shout out to Kendra Lanise, uh, episode 322. We'll link to that in the show notes too. Um, She's fantastic. She's so fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Make, make sure you, if you're listening in now, make sure that if you haven't heard that episode, you go check that out as well. Um, yes. And yeah, Kendra is absolutely lovely, for sure, for sure. I've had the opportunity to hang out with her in person, and she's she really is just so great. You know, there's there are certain people that have a wonderful energy about them, yourself included, by the way, Carly. Um, <laughs> Thank you. It's just it's just nice to you know to be around somebody um, that that has that kind of kindness or that kind of excitement about life. And uh, yeah, Kendra yes. is one of those people. So she absolutely is. The first time that we spoke on the phone, we talked for like two and a half hours. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Which doesn't actually surprise me, but like we, she's so incredibly talented. She knows what she's talking about with Facebook ads and, and she's helped me clarify a lot on that of like, cause I was like, I want people to get to my group. And she's like, so how would you like to do that? Let's start with her method, start at the end and work back to the beginning yep. of actually placing in the Facebook ad. And it's been completely invaluable to my business. Uh, just the, the work that she's put in with me. So that's huge shout out to Kendra. <laughs> well, and, and speaking of invaluable, I mean, this really truly has been a, an invaluable conversation. I think this is great for our listeners. We've only ever really kind of touched on the topic of destination weddings um, or destination work in general, maybe mm-hmm. one or two times out of, you know, 360 plus episodes. So uh, yeah. I'm glad that we came back to it. You've added massive amounts of value. I want to thank you for that, Carly. Thank you. Of and, course. Thank you. Just remind our listeners, if you don't mind, where they can follow you online, see what you're doing, see where you're traveling, where you're going to be next. Right, 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 right. Um, so if you're a lady <laughs> and you want to join my family, group. <laughs> you're more than welcome to. Um, I, I don't want to say I don't generally welcome photographers, but I try to like, if you're going to be a photographer and you're going to be in my group, please be respectful of the fact that it is my clientele. Yeah. Um, but I'm more that I, I totally think that it is a community for all women. So there's that. Um, so that is on Facebook. It's under someplace boudoir and glamour. And in the section where it says, what's your email, just tell me that you heard about me on the book of podcast and I will, we'll go from there. Perfect. Um, but the, um, there's always my website, someplaceimages.com. Um, I have two Instagrams. My business Instagram is at someplaceimages and my personal Instagram, which highlights a lot more of my my actual travels of what I'm doing while I'm traveling is Carly Someplace. Um, and I think, I mean, that's mainly it. I also have my Pinterest, which shows a ton of my boudoir work. Um, so, which is also Someplace Images. Those are, those are the main places that people can find me. Perfect. We'll link to all of that in the show notes. And uh, for the third time, Carly, thank you so much for hanging out with us <laughs> at the Book of Podcast. Thank you so much, Nathan. Thank you so much for listening to the Book of Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Book of Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu. M-I-I-L-U dot com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. 
visit photographersedit.com.